if you could wrap up your message to the world in just one word, what would it be? Love. Welcome to Baby Magic. Hi, Deborah. I'm so happy that you have agreed to be part of Baby Magic. I'd like to introduce to our listeners Deborah Pascali Bonaro. And Deborah, I always like my uh, my people that come on the show to into to uh, to introduce themselves. So, if you oh. wouldn't mind introducing yourself for our listeners. I'd be happy to. And Rivka, it's so wonderful to be here with you and all who have joined us. Um, I, as Rivka said, my name is Deborah, and I've been a doula for more than 30 years, going on 34 years now, which even just saying that always just touches my heart. You know, I could never have imagined as I began a path as a birth keeper that this would carry me so far. And I always like to say that I I wear all these different hats in birth. So I've been a doula, a donor doula, both a birth and a postpartum doula trainer for now 30 years. But I also am a childbirth educator and I should have started off. I'm a mother and a grandmother. So the, the things that really stuck in my heart and brought me to want to help other people in how they begin their journey into birth and parenting. And I also co-chair a global initiative called the International Childbirth Initiative um, that has 12 steps to safe and respectful mother baby family maternity care. So this has all brought me to work not only where I am today in New Jersey in the United States, but also to have such an honor of working in many countries all around the world. And that all led me to create a documentary, Orgasmic Birth, the best kept secret and to write books and go deeper into the sexuality of pregnancy, birth and parenting. So all these different ways that my own personal life um, inspired me to go deeper and learn and listen and support and work with people all around the world. That's very impressive. And we know that every single or at least I know, and I'm sure the listeners can hear just from your voice that you that you really deeply affect in a good way every single person you come in contact with. Um, I'd like to ask you, as an elder in the birth world, how have you seen maternity care change over the years? Yeah, that's an important question, right? And that brings me back to 
and I know you're in Montreal, but I gave birth to my first son in Montreal. So 39 years ago, that's really when I feel like I entered the birth world. And 39 years ago in Montreal, but in a lot of the Western world, birth had become very medicalized, really taken away from us in a sense that, you know, of course people believe that medicine was doing its best, but people were really literally and figuratively being put down and not having a say and and I had to really stand up for my rights and stand up in birth um, to have the birth that I really desired and I feel like there were a lot of people at that time in the 80s and the 90s and even before that the natural childbirth movement was growing and people were going to childbirth education and wanting to have more of a say in their birth and then I feel like we went through this interesting time where that kind of activism that was so strong seemed to wane a bit. And medicine actually took hold in a new way. And, you know, epidurals just grew and there was this sense that it was okay to just kind of show up and turn your body over to medicine. So I feel like we, in some ways, many of us who were really activists and seeing change happening and then felt like it slid back. I know I felt like here I'm doing all this work and we're not impacting the system. And sadly, I think the system even got more medicalized and lost the sacredness of birth. But what I see happening today, and some of this is the effect of COVID, and some of this is the effect of just people waking up and realizing that instead of the benefits that were intended by the overuse of technology, there's been great suffering and inequities for many people based on it. So I feel like today we're again at another point of activism of change, and there's no more hiding. The cracks in the system have spotlight shining in to say, that we're not really doing our best. Sometimes more is less, right? We need to really look at back at more natural ways and also more respectful ways that it's not just enough to survive childbirth. Every person should thrive and their emotional well-being is as important as their physical well-being. So I do think life is, you know, cyclical and we're going through a new cycle of speaking up and change. So that leads me to two of the questions that I uh, had thought about asking you. Um, I'll deal. I'll I'll ask you the the one that's kind of present for everyone right now. How have how has maternity care and how have families um, going through the childbearing year been affected by the pandemic? Yeah, and this is such a question that just really touches my heart. I, I was just out for a walk in my neighborhood yesterday and came upon uh, oh family with a new baby and of course had to ask how their birth was in these times and and they were so grateful because they at one point were told that 
her partner wouldn't be able to be with her and she was going to be all alone. But in fact, by the time she was giving birth, they had reopened and partners could be there, but no one else. But she felt so grateful that she could at least not be alone. And I think this is just heart-wrenching. This is going back to the real dark days of maternity care, where many years ago when we first brought birth into hospital, we often had people come in um, all alone. So for me, this has been so sad that it one of the first things that happened here in New York and New Jersey when we were experiencing high levels of COVID and not really knowing yet what to do was to force people to birth alone, to strip their doulas away and their support teams. So I think that a lot of people have suffered. It's been quite challenging. I think the good news, at least in my region, is we realized that there was a lot of suffering. We know that support is essential to well-being and actually our physical well-being. Birth goes quicker and easier um, when we have the sub continuous support and love and nurturing that we need. So in New York and New Jersey, our governors got involved and actually issued statements that not only were partners and choosing the support person of your choice essential, but so were doulas and doulas were a part of the team. So we're now actually turning a corner where the discussion about support has become even more um, important in all of our minds. So where in my region, there was, I believe, a lot of harm done initially, we're actually looking at things in new ways. We're seeing, I'm getting contacted, wanting doula trainings and doula programs, and I'm training doulas for the New York City Department of Health, where we're recognizing that doulas shouldn't be a luxury, they should be available to everyone. And we're looking at funding mechanisms to make sure that no one labors alone. It's it's just so important. And I, I do agree with you that, uh, that for whatever reason, this uh, health crisis has really shone a spotlight on the cracks in the system. Um, and I've also had people reaching out in a different way, which is that they, uh, in the early days, they because uh, as in New York and Montreal as well, doulas were not allowed in, as they're still not allowed in in some of the hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. The doulas that I know that I've trained um, are doing are getting really good at virtual birth support. So, I mean, as doulas, we know how to uh, uh, improvise. We're probably the best improvisers there are. You know, if you don't have a this, then why don't you use that? So, you know, that's what they're doing. But I had a lot of people calling me in the beginning days saying, you know, um, I'm not going into the hospital alone. I'm going to give birth on my own unassisted. Which, as we know, it's wonderful and can be transcendent and all that, but I don't believe anyone should give birth alone, personally. Yes. I don't I, believe anyone should be forced to give birth alone, put it that way. Correct. When the system isn't supporting them, they're not making the choice that this is what I really want to do. They're making the choice that the system isn't going to meet my needs, so this is my other option. And I think that's when a system really fail, fails people when every person doesn't feel safe and supported in their choices. So that leads me to my next question, which is uh, you're living in a country that... Um, that has absolutely shameful maternity statistics. 
And those statistics get more and more shameful uh, as people's color changes. Yes. What can you talk to us about the disparity between um, the, the birth outcomes for white families and, and families of color? Yes. And this is something, again, we've been talking about, and those of us in the birth community have been aware, aware of this forever, that Black, Indigenous, people of color have are facing institutional racism, that there are so many inequities in their access to care and the care that they receive, and this translates into just tragic, heart-wrenching, increased rates of maternal and infant mortality. And this is, again, where COVID is really shining the light on this, that these racial inequities um, are, are worse now, even during this time of COVID. But I think the awareness, the fact that everyone's talking about it, that we're all looking at what is our part to be anti-racism, especially those of us that are white, to look at our privilege and how can we raise our voice and raise the voices and support all Black, Indigenous people of color in multiple ways to end what has just been hidden to many, but obvious to all those who experience it, our institutions all over really need to look at how we can be anti-racism. So this is an incredible time in the US um, of personal work for all of us. Our birth organizations are all taking the time to really make sure that each one of us looks at how we play a part and what we can do to change this and have equitable care for everyone. So have the hospitals in, uh, let's say, more of the, of the Black areas in the bigger cities, have the hospitals been closed to maternity care disproportionately? Uh, in terms of you know the the hospitals in like more more affluent white areas i mean i think the hospitals particularly in areas that serve more black indigenous people of color are definitely speaking up and looking i mean one of the inequities is we need more caregivers that look like you, you should be served by people that speak your language, that look like you, that share your beliefs and values. You're going to feel safer. And so that those inequities are not gonna turn around overnight, but the fact that we have an awareness of that, the fact that we're training doulas from all the communities so that doulas are frontline, right? If you can have a doula who's educated and who can support you and amplify your voice. So even if you're not necessarily being heard right away, but your doula can make sure that you're not overlooked, that you're, you're respected and you're cared for and be a part of the system in that way. So I think that all our hospitals are looking right now what are the short-term ways we can do better because there are easy short-term ways and also what are the long-term ways and looking at more equity about who are our caregivers it's an, it's interesting looking at it from canada we um we're we're in a different situation here we have actually managed to sweep our uh, racism under the carpet a little bit more so no one really notices it that much it's not like we don't have it 
Um, but with a socialized medical uh, care system, it's it it's very different. the 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 spotlight doesn't shine as intensely on on the problems. So we have to dig a little deeper to see them. But the time is now, right? I feel oh, like the yeah. whole world is at least talking about the issues and doing, you know, each individual's personal reflection on how, you know, have we grown up? How has our history not told us the facts, right? Like I'm looking back at what I even learned in school and thought, oh my goodness, you know, how much was omitted or spun in different ways and how, you know, really re-educating myself on many different aspects and realizing how that affects all aspects of our lives and, and thus the care that other and people receive. Well, I think that also leads into another um, issue that I, I'm thinking about these days, which is the whole concept of the story and the narrative. So as we have big stories that, where we teach our children certain historical stories, we also have small stories that I teach myself about my body. Do you wanna address that a little bit? Yes, and I think this is the area that I've really been going deep into these years is that particularly when we're looking at pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, and then we're looking at body image and how we feel about our bodies during these incredible transformative times, especially, right, as women, as people giving birth, our bodies are shifting so much. But how we feel about that often can be the stories that we've been told generationally about our bodies and what has the media told us, what are the images about our bodies. So I feel it's such an important important time right now to talk about loving our bodies, about body awareness, about what are the messages that we might have been told within our family, within our culture, within our religion about our bodies, and what of those messages serve us, and what of those messages bring potentially for people sometimes shame or a lack of fully really loving and appreciating their bodies, especially at a time that it's life-giving. I mean that the power of bringing life into the world should be celebrated. And in whatever way you give birth, your body is amazing. So yes, I think we need to look at all the stories that we're told and really examine what are the ways that we can feel really safe and whole and celebrate our bodies just the way they are. And as you and I know, as you said, as elders, right, our bodies in a, are in a constant state of change. And there's something to learn to just be really happy within the skin that you have today and to celebrate the changes that come with time, whether it's the time of pregnancy and postpartum or the time of aging. Because as my mother taught me years ago, the one constant in life is change. And the more we can embrace that with love and with joy and feel good with it, the happier we're gonna feel about so many aspects of life. When we don't feel safe or comfortable or 
we feel negative about our bodies, we carry that into all aspects of our life as well. So body image, I think, is such an important piece of who we all are and how we then move through the world. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you a small story, which you'll laugh at. You'll see where I'm going with it. Years ago, it must have been 15, maybe even 18 years ago, I was uh, with a mother that I had uh, helped her with a couple of children before that. She was one of those easy birthers that, that it's so lovely to, to watch someone just giving birth spontaneously. And we walked up to the hospital. She had her baby. And then um, after the birth, she was cuddling her new baby. And she looked at me and she said, can I ask you something? So I said, yes, of course. She said, is it normal to have an orgasm while you're giving birth? <laughs> so talk to us about that. Oh, I love that. And what a great story, Rivka. Yes. And again, this is why I call it the best kept secret, right? Because so many more people, when, you, when I started uncovering this and listening to stories, I was blown away by the number of people that either had an orgasm or at least said, you know, there were these moments that were exquisite, that were pleasurable, that were full of love. I felt like love and one with the universe, with, you know, higher power, whatever people would call that in their spiritual life, like an expansion in their body that was not painful. And this is so important because I believe that birth, we were designed to give birth in love and pleasure. Now, I do want to say that it is a smaller percentage of people that have that birthgasm. And some people, it's just such a surprise in a positive way. And so many people have actually come up to me with their head down and so full of shame that what they perceived should be the most painful event in their life had this unbelievable moment of pleasure and they feel absolutely shamed. I've had people that didn't tell their partner, didn't tell a friend, didn't tell a soul. And I was the first person years later they told about this moment because they finally were like, you're letting me know that I'm not the only one, that there's nothing wrong with me, right? So I do think we really need to talk about this and also include the sexuality of childbearing into educating if you're pregnant so that one, if this happens to you, you don't feel shame. You can actually say this makes neurologic, physiologic sense. The baby is moving through our cervix, our vagina, hitting all those nerves of the clitoris, there's just such a way that the baby moves through an area that is certainly designed for pleasure and love. And on the other hand, there are some people that would like to enhance that. And there definitely are ways to prepare for birth where you can bring more love and pleasure. So for me, just to clarify, orgasmic birth is broad enough to include the people that have a birthgasm, but it also includes all the people that just bring love and joy, pleasure and connection and birth in their way, in their power, 
that's orgasmic as well. I wouldn't want anyone to make a birthgasm a performance standard and like put it on your birth plan, right? Like I need to have an orgasm. No, but we need to embrace that it can happen. And what are the ways that we can facilitate at least every birth being more joyful and pleasurable? Yeah, and I think that uh, one of the one of the issues, because being human and being, especially being being women, we tend to always uh, kind of negate things about ourselves. So I think one of the problems with proposing a positive and joyful birth state is that when people don't achieve that, because you and I both, I'm sure, I know I have been to really wonderful. Uh, home births who where the 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 mother is in complete you know she's the queen for the day she is birthing on her own terms but her birth is really painful it yes. is painful it doesn't uh, include a lot of pleasurable feelings maybe there's 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 nausea there's pooping the whole time there's not being able to pee there's not having a not having an appetite you know even though this this person is surrounded by a loving circle that's just the way her particular birth journey has decided to go i don't want those people to feel that they as well have somehow not achieved what we're all supposed to achieve so it's a really difficult line that we have to constantly keep in balance as birth workers so that so that people don't feel shame with what, however their birth has unfolded. Yes, I totally agree. And that's why I feel that definition is that they're part of decisions, that they um, really feel honored, respected, and even in pain, we can have love, right? So if they can feel loved through whatever the experience is for them, I hope that that brings even the challenge to a different place. You know, when we go through challenges, but we feel honored and respected and loved and supported, we feel different than sadly many people that are in situations where they don't have any of that. And sometimes people are being disrespected or dishonored or not heard. So for me, um, it's really about making sure when you put your team together that you're going to be in a place and with a team that will respect you, honor you, and love you through whatever birth asks of you so that you can still look back on this memory with positive feelings. I like that phrase, whatever birth asks of you. Yeah, we never know, right? Don't we all wish yeah. we had a crystal ball? <laughs> yeah. And I'd like we to. Know, oh. We've had more than one child, right? So, like, it, even for each of us, we never know what the next birth asks of us. So, or the next child, they're all so different, yeah. as we know. Yes. I'd just uh, like you to share one piece of advice that you would give uh, a pregnant person right now. Yeah, and, and I would say one of the things I would say to people now is preparing for your birth is the most important thing you can do. And right now, 
preparing where you'll give birth, with whom, and making sure, just as I said, that whoever those people are that are there, that you feel respected, supported, nurtured, and loved through labor is really essential. Um, and your birth memory is going to have a lot to do with how other people made you feel. And you want to know that the people that are there truly honor and respect you and you're part of decision making. So even if your doula needs to be virtual, as I heard you say, and we were virtual for periods of time before, um, you want to make sure that's a match, but you want to make sure the people that are in person are really going to be listening to you. This is your day. And I love how you said, you know, to be the queen, you need to really feel that you are honored and celebrated in this process. This is not a day. One of my favorite sayings to people, um, and it goes with this, is birth is powerful. And you have a choice to claim it or give it away. And don't let anyone take your power away. Thank you for that. Um, one final thing. If you could wrap up your message to the world in just one word, what would it be? Love. I feel love heals, love connects. And I, I think what we need more than ever right now for each other as we all struggle, whether it's through the uncertain times of the world or racism or COVID, is we need more love and connection. Thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you, Rivka, and for all that are here with us. It's really always such an honor and a joy to see you and to feel our connection again. Hope you enjoyed that. I sure did. Next week, I'll be talking about underground midwifery. Is that where midwives just catch babies in underground parking lots? Nope, not really. It's about sovereign birth, perhaps. It's about certification. It's about knowing things and not knowing them. Stay tuned. Keep on. Spread the love. Thank you. <laughs>